We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Monday, August 14th, Ryan. That means we are one week away, exactly one week from today. We will be kicking off our in-season content plan because it will be game week for Notre Dame. Uh, Week zero action against Navy next week. Obviously, we're now 12 days away from Notre Dame kicking off the 2023 season. And, and Ryan, it felt like it was a good time. We're going to kind of move the schedule around this week. You're going to do a a recruiting hour on Thursday. Uh, and so we're going to have that on Thursday. And then I have a, because a, I have a speaking thing I have to do on Thursday. And then uh, today we felt like it was a good time to talk about the schedule. And we're going to have several shows this week. We're going to do our prediction show this week. We're going to do a whole lot of different stuff. We're actually going to have a, a Wednesday night show. It's going to be a prediction show this week. Uh, going to have all types of fun stuff. It's going to be a blast this week, kind of getting ready for the season. Going to have a couple CFB Nation shows this week. I'm doing something probably tonight with Bill Bender. We might even go live. Got to talk with Bill about it, where we're going to kind of talk about Notre Dame and the ACC and just a lot of different things going on, Ryan. But uh, today, obviously, the AP poll came out with Notre, came out today. Notre Dame is ranked 13th. That means they are ranked 13th in both polls. And now I can correctly say what I said last week about the coaches poll, which is actually incorrect, but it's correct about the AP poll. The last time Notre Dame won an ass championship was also the last time Notre Dame was ranked 13th in the AP poll, which is 1988. The last two playoff teams for Notre Dame, 1980, uh, 2018, Notre Dame finished this, uh, began the season ranked twelfth uh, in the AP poll, and they in 2020 they began the season ranked tenth in the AP poll. So a lot going on, and I believe part of the reason they ranked tenth, Ryan, is because I have to go, I have to rem- go back and look at that one because I think that some of the some of the teams weren't ranked, if I remember, because they they weren't going to necessarily play, if I remember right. correctly. I have to go back and look at that. But it was a very interesting, very interesting uh, uh, ranking system that year. So, uh, you know, Ryan, we'll 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 dive into that stuff here as we kind of go out 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 to the uh, the uh, kind of dive into this conversation. But what we're going to do is is we're going to kind of break down the Notre Dame schedule. We're going to talk about it. 
I'll just kind of quickly go over here in a second. We're going to dive into it one through or one through twelve or twelve through one. I should say is probably a better way of 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 doing it. Yes, Ryan, I am. I was correct. The uh, the AP poll, the preseason AP poll began with Ohio State. At, at I'm partially correct. It began with Ohio State at two, mm-hmm. but they did not. Were not in the next week's the week one poll because at that point in time they weren't playing. Gotcha. So Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, Wisconsin, Michigan, USC, Minnesota, Utah, Iowa State, and Iowa all dropped out after the preseason poll came out. So everything got bumped up a little bit. Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. Notre Dame did did start tenth in that poll and then moved up to seven when everybody got dropped out. So gotcha. so before they before they I believe before they played any games. So we're going to dive into the schedule, Ryan, and and the way that we rank the schedule is not just the twelve best teams. Because that we, we could do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the way we want to do it is we want to kind of dive dive into more of a toughest games for Notre Dame. And toughest can mean a lot of different things. It can mean this particular team is a tough matchup for Notre Dame. This particular team, the where the game was played, is it right before a big game? Is it after a big mm-hmm. game? Is it during finals week or not? You know, right. is it is it on the road? Is it at home? Is it early? Is it late? What's the makeup of that team? And we'll, so we'll have some interesting conversation about it. So it's more about the toughness of the game for Notre Dame. So who they play, when they play, where they play, all that stuff will take into account as opposed to just here's the 12 best teams. Because the reality is, Ryan, when you look at this, not every game is the same because of the home away factor. And when you play, I think to truly get a gauge of how challenging a schedule is, you have to take into account the context of when and where those games are played. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of factors that exist there. I mean, because like we... We're not crystal ball seers, right? Like that, it even goes even deeper than that. I mean, we could talk about the home versus away and after a buy, before a buy, we're sandwiched in between what the just what the general play style is of some of these teams. All those things kind of go into the forecast, but I mean, what are the injuries coming into that game? What's the weather coming into that game? There's so many different things that matter in these types of situations, but it's always fun because I think these situations are really fun too, Brian, because I always love kind of looking back at what our thoughts were on some of these teams in the preseason and just seeing how they matched, right? Like, were they exactly what we thought they were? Were they completely different as far as the opponents on the, on the schedule? So I think these conversations are really fun though, because there's a lot of factors that go into this conversation. Yeah. I almost texted you this last night, where you sent me the, the list. I was like, when, after you said, this is a combination of 
the team, but also, you know, schedule wise. Yeah, because I forgot to tell you that at first. Yeah. Yeah. But when you sent me that, I was like, wow, that's a lot of factors in the one conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly, this is what Ryan texted me because I don't know. I have to think about it because I said, I said, hey, you know, this is the 12 and I didn't give him the context, forgot to send him that because uh, I assume that Ryan's in year two at Irish Breakdown. He should be able to read my mind now, but apparently uh, not yet. I said, he said, I don't know how to think about that. That's a lot of factors to consider, but it is true. Right. And that's what kind of adds to the difficulty of playing an opponent. You know, we talked about this sure. a lot last year. Do you want to play Ohio state early or do you want to play Ohio state late? You know, what are the benefits of playing them early? What are the benefits of playing them late? And there's all, there's all types of factors that go into that, Brian. And, and we'll have some of that here today as well. So let's just quickly go through the schedule. Obviously Notre Dame kicks off this year at August 26th, playing Navy in Dublin, Ireland. Come home the next week for a home opener, which is week one of the college football season. It gets to the Tennessee State t- Tigers, who were four and seven last year. Then they play at NC State. It's only the second time Notre Dame has ever played at NC State. Hopefully the weather will be a little bit better this time than the only other time they've played at NC State. Return home for a week, a uh, game four matchup against the Central Michigan Chippewas. Then they host the Ohio State Buckeyes. On September 23rd, and then September 20, September 30th, Notre Dame plays at Duke. So Notre Dame, Ryan, and you've said this before, and it's so hard to grasp. Notre Dame will be halfway through their schedule before the calendar turns to October. It's wild. October yeah. 7th, they play at Louisville. Then they are at home on October 14th for a matchup against the Southern Cal Trojans. Then over the next four weeks, they have two buys. They have a buy between uh, Southern Cal, USC, and Pitt. They play Pitt on October 28th, then they travel to Clemson on November 4th, then another bye, and they play Wake Forest at home, and then they finish the season at Stanford. Very interesting schedule, Ryan. Just overall, just your overall thoughts on the schedule. I personally think it's a it's a slightly better, ver- tougher schedule than last year from a uh, just a pure opponent's standpoint. I think the opponents are better. The, the big three is still the big three. But the next three or four teams, to me, you look at the Dukes and you look at the NC States and the Pitts and the Louisvilles, there's a lot of quality football teams in that schedule, yes. in my opinion, that are, to me, a little better than what they faced last year. But the good news is you get two of the big three at home this year, as opposed to last year where two of the three are on the road, right? So just overall thoughts on the schedule before we kind of dive into the 1 through 12. It's so funny you say the little notes because with Duke being the sixth game of the season on September 30th, like having six games in the first – well, I guess month plus of the season is just wild because quick story, me and my wife, Caitlin, are planning to go down for the Duke game. And she thought it was in October originally. She's like, isn't that game six? I was like, yeah, and it's September 30th. Like, It's pretty wild to think about, right? But I, I think that for me, when I look at this schedule, a couple of the key things that I look at is is because I know you love to break it up into sections, right? Like by fours. And I think when you look at it for and me. We'll, I'll do some of that on the, on the site. We'll right. do that on the site. Not necessarily today. But I, I like when we do that, though, because the first four games of the season, I think, are a great opportunity for Notre Dame with a graduate transfer quarterback that is still working for his first game action at the University of Notre Dame other than the Blue Gold game. And with a lot of younger players that are still getting experience, I think that the first four game stretch is a really Nice little buffer for the rest of the Notre Dame season. Yeah, you have NC State that's sandwiched in between there in game three. But for the most part, the first four games are all very winnable football games for Notre Dame. And I think you kind of ease the team into what is a very difficult second stretch of that next four. Like it's a very, very difficult 
ultimately for me, I like how it sets up. I really do because I look at it and when you break it up into the fours, I say the first four, you have a great opportunity to come out of that four and oh, going into a very difficult next four. And then the last four has a couple of difficult games in it, but it then it's it's definitely not as hard as the second fourth second uh, second set of four. And lots of chances to get rested in that last exactly. four too, Ryan. That last quarter, yeah. you've got to buy before the the fourth quarter of the season. The, really the the three quarter the thirds, right? The way the the, yeah. the first quarter is we do it by quarters. It's Navy, Tennessee, to NC State, yep. right? So it's kind of two warm-up games before the really tough game. The second quarter is Central Michigan, Ohio State, and Duke. So you got a warm-up game before two really tough tests. The third quarter is at Louisville, USC, and Pitt. I would argue that's the toughest, just three pure opponents. Yes. Is, is Louisville, USC, and Pitt. Now, I have USC not in my top two of toughest opponents this season, but, but it's just – because you've got Navy, Tennessee State in the first one. You've got Central Michigan in the second one. You've got Wake and Stanford in the third one with Clemson. Uh, and then, of course, the fourth quarter is is Clemson, Wake, and Stanford. So you actually have buys in each of the last two quarters. But if you break it down into thirds, right, and when you look at, like, the groups of four, yeah. that last group of four, you've got two buys in there too. And so, exactly. yeah, you're going to be – you're going to be – play a lot of games before you get a buy – but then you're going to be able to get two chances to kind of really get right in later in the season. I don't know if I like that or not, Ryan, we'll have to find out. Like I kind of would have liked to have had a buy maybe after Ohio state, maybe mix it up a little bit, you know, so you play those first four or first five that have a buy, then play Duke Louisville, USC Pitt, then have a buy and then Clemson wake and Stanford didn't work out that way, but that's basically where Notre Dame is. So, and then, of course, the November buy is only there because Notre Dame's starting in week zero. Right. That's basically the reason the reason Notre Dame has two buys. Some years, Ryan, there are there are just two buys built into everyone's schedule, just the way that the 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 first Saturday works out. But this year, Notre Dame has the two buys because they have the week zero game in Dublin against Navy. Yep. And uh, you know, I've kind of come around on the whole. I get the bet. I don't know when the best time is to play Navy. But I've kind of come around to where I think the opener is is best because you don't have to then spend so. a ton of time in camp working on the option, which they do every year for a game. You don't play till November like last year. I don't know how that helps you. Right. But now you're working on those things because you're going to need it for the first game. And once it's out of the way, you don't have to worry about that mess anymore. Because what was Navy last year? What game were they? I know they were after Clemson, Ryan. They they yeah. were like nine or ten. They were like ten, I believe. Let, I let me just go look at it real quick. I I personally don't like a, a triple option team and a yeah, team that's on your on your schedule every single year. I don't like them kind of sneaking up on you a little bit, right? Like I just kind of like it being in the front. Get over it. Get it done with, and let's move on to the more traditional teams that we're going to play. Like I, I just that uniqueness, I think, is just. It's just not one of those ones where it's like, I'm coming off a big win. Now we're going to go play a not great Navy team. And then they sneak up on you like they did last year in the second half. Where you're mm-hmm. just like, come on, man. Like, it's just annoying at this point. So I like kind of getting them out of the way personally. You know, we talked last week, Ryan, about how, you know, we don't do the superstition thing, but I'm going to have some fun with it, you know, today a little bit, just, just so we can, you know, we're, we're having some fun. Season hasn't started yet. But the uh, last time Notre Dame actually played in the national championship game, they kicked the season off against Navy in Ireland. The last time Notre Dame won a national championship, uh, they were ranked 13th in the preseason poll. And the last time that Ohio State won a championship, a team that Notre Dame has to go through, do you know who they kicked the season off with that year in 2014, Ryan? 
Navy. Navy. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, yeah. So all types of fun things. Obviously, none of that stuff has anything to do with who's actually going to win a championship. But it's always fun to kind yes. of joke about that kind well, of stuff. Well, this is the fun time of the year, though, man, That's because right. now this is our final look at the season before we started. I don't know if you heard this, Brian. This is completely unrelated. But Jaden Greathouse was interviewed the other day by the media, obviously. And he made a crack at Sam Hartman. I don't know if you heard this one, but they asked no, about Sam. They asked him about Sam, and he's like, yeah, I, I grew up watching Sam, so it's really cool to be able to play with him now. I'm like, yo. But it's funny because he's in his six years, so you're like – He was yeah, in he middle was probably, school. Wow. He was probably, what, 13 when Sam Hartman he would started have playing been, He would have football? been in the seventh grade when Sam Hartman was a freshman, yeah. right? So, so yeah, 13, that's wild. Man. <laughs> that's so weird, Seventh man. or eighth grade, that is wild. Yeah, that is wild. That is yeah. great. I love this stuff. It's going to be a fun year, Ryan. Very, very much looking forward to it. Let's dive into the schedule. Let's break it down, right? Let's get to this. And we're going to have a mailbag afterwards. So if you guys have some questions, go for it. If you are if you want to know sort of what the latest about Notre Dame's recruiting of, in the 25 class is going on, we put a little intel piece on the board uh, that Ryan and I have been working on the last few days to get. Uh, people keep asking about the hat, another bookstore hat. Got this at the Notre Dame bookstore. It's very nice, Ryan. It actually, it's a fitted hat. So it's got that on the fr- on the back. So I dig it, man. It's actually navy blue. It looks black, I think, on the screen. I don't know what yeah. it looks like to you, Ryan, but it's actually navy blue. It's a very it dark navy blue. Navy blue. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. And, of course, I got the navy blue IB shirt on today. You can get this Same. at the in the IB store today, right? So, yeah. So we didn't plan that, y'all. So see, now, now Ryan's reading my mind, right? I wanted him to read my mind about the schedule. He did, and he reads my mind about the gear. There was, only, there was only two options of shirt to wear today. So, you know, yeah. 50%, I guess. On That's that right. Day, so. That's right. I need to get you some new gear, man. Give me give me your sizes. Tell me what you want. We'll give you some new gear to kick you, the season you off. Need, some fresh no, stuff. what you need to give me is more time so that I can do laundry more efficiently. And there more you go. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck <laughs> with that. Uh, I think I've given you plenty of time, uh, but uh, it, there's just never enough, man. There's never enough. Never enough. See, you're blaming me for the fact that you got two kids oh, I'm now. Not blaming <laughs> don't, I'm not blaming anyone. <laughs> I didn't make you have a second kid. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm, I'm just messing with you. We're having some fun you today, always, guys. You always, tell me, you, you always tell me to be happy, man. So I did, and I fan family first, right? I always yes. tell you those two exactly. things. So family yes. first. Uh, but you can tell Ryan and I are a little extra giddy today because it's just like it hit us. The football season is like almost here, y'all. Like, do you understand? We like, we're fired up. We need it. I even watched a little preseason NFL football, Ryan. Can you believe it? Ooh. Can you believe what it? You watch? I watched a little bit of the Broncos game. Oh, nice. So, yeah. How'd they look? Yep. So, I mean, like a first preseason game, but I mean, they did some nice yeah. things. They uh, Russ led them on uh, two scoring drives. They were up 10 nothing. Ju- Judy had a then, touchdown, right? Yeah. Right after yeah, he dropped the touchdown. Uh, he they ran a little third and five uh, bootleg. He just dropped it, then they went right back to him on fourth and five. He caught it, smoked the guy on a slant, smoked the guy for I a saw touchdown. That. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they did miss two field goals. They ended up losing eighteen seventeen. But honestly, I turned it off at halftime because I didn't want to watch a bunch of dudes that aren't going to be on the team in a month. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty. Wait, cool. At least, you, at least you didn't have to watch Stetson Bennett play quarterback for your favorite team. No, so, no, yeah. yeah, that would suck. That would suck. I had to watch Jarrett Stidham do that. So you know. I mean, it ain't that much better. Baylor and Auburn legend, Jared Stedham. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So let's uh, let's get into the schedule, Ryan. As we said before, the schedule that we're going to break down, our, our kind of our ranking 1 to 12, is geared more towards toughest games, not best opponents to worst opponents. It's toughest games. And so that includes what, what the matchup means for Notre Dame. That's a part of the equation. 
uh, we get into when the game is being played. Now that can be a lot of things. Are you getting a team early? Or are you getting a team late? Do we th- project them to be better early or better late? We'll get into some of that. It's also when you play is also, we talked about this, Ryan, it's the notion of like sort of that trap game aspect of it, right? Like we look at last year, that that letdown after the Ohio State game and a little bit of a letdown after the Clemson game, you know, like Notre Dame comes out of the Clemson game with a big win and they are just rolling Navy and yeah. maybe started to feel a little good about themselves. And then the second half of Navy happened and it kind of smacked them back into reality, right? But you always have some of those type of things. That factors into it as well. So uh, we'll, we'll get into all that kind of stuff, where the game is being played. If there's if, if two teams are pretty equal, one's on the road and one's at home, you tend to put the, the team that's on the road a little tougher, right? Just the nature of, of that aspect of it. So those are all the factors that go into it, Ryan. And when you break down the number 12 team, this is an easy one. It's the Tennessee State Tigers. It's actually going to be a really interesting weekend, I think. you're Obviously, this is Notre Dame's first opponent against a, a first time they've ever played an FCS opponent. Uh, this Tennessee State's coming off of a four, back-to-back five or back-to-back seasons of five and six and four and seven. Also happens yep. to be the first two years of the Eddie George tenure, former Ohio State running back and uh, Tennessee Titan running back, which the Tennessee State and of course Heisman Trophy winner, who played against Notre Dame during his career yep. with the Buckeyes. So uh, th- th- this isn't close, Ryan. This is not just an FCS team. It's not a given that an FCS team is going to be at the bottom of your schedule. If you got North Dakota State on your schedule, right. South Dakota State. On the schedule, it's South Dakota State's that's really good, correct? The Jackrabbits yes, are the correct. really good ones. Jack they would probably really rank higher on this list ahead of Stanford for me and Central Michigan Central for Michigan. me and maybe even yeah. Navy <laughs> for me. Yeah. You know, so, but uh, Tennessee State's uh, Coach George is trying to obviously rebuild that program. So uh, this is clearly the, the game that is uh, at the bottom of the list as far as toughness. I mean, it's the first home game too, right? I mean, everyone's going to be pumped up. And and we always talk about, I, I think, Brian, the letdown games that happen are usually the ones that, like, you, you're you not really focused for whatever reason. You know, maybe it's a, you know, back-to-back home game. It's the second home game where it's just like the energy's gone. There's not a lot of adrenaline happening. But coming back from Dublin, it's going to be your first home game is against – Tennessee State, an FCS opponent. That's not a great FCS opponent. I know a lot of people are thinking this in their mind of like, wasn't the first home game for Notre Dame last year against Marshall? And I, I, I get that, right? But Marshall is a good football team, right? Yes. Like we're talking about four and seven on the FCS level. So this is not a very good football team. There's a couple solid players that I actually look forward to talking about when Notre Dame plays them that week. I mean, did you know their starting corner is Bryce Phillips, who is the younger brother of of um, Clark Phillips that played at Utah, who's actually a really good corner. So there's going to be some quality football players, but for the most part, you're talking about a below-average FCS team coming to Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame's first home game of the season, I think Notre Dame will be laser-focused in that game. And I think that we always talk about what did you, what did a coaching staff learn from first season to second season? I think it's how to focus a team consistently from a week-to-week basis, right? And to not let the marshals of the world happen on your first home game of the season. So I think Marcus Freeman is going to have that team ready to go against a not great opponent at home. I just, I, I just don't see that one being particularly close this year. And on top of the fact we keep saying this, and I remember debating this with Vince last year when Vince was like, he had Marshall as the lowest team on a schedule. And I was like, dude, you have, you are vastly underrating Marshall. I think I had Marshall in the top six or seven of last year's schedule. Ryan, that was a good football team for that level no excuse for Notre Dame to lose to them none yep. 
But Tennessee State's closer to Stanford than they are to Marshall as far as if you want to talk about being upset. But this is just, like you said, not a very good FCS team. Notre Dame could play pretty poorly in this game and still win by double figures. You just hope that doesn't happen. So this is uh, this is why that game is number twelve on the schedule. Number eleven on the schedule. We also we agree on this one, right? And there's a we're for the most part on the same page. I think there was like two or three areas where we said slight disagreements, which we'll kind of we'll, we'll express those. We had the same on on number eleven, Central Michigan. This is a team. Jim McElwain, former Florida head coach and Alabama offensive coordinator, is their head coach. They're right. coming off of a four and eight season that that I actually thought showed promise early, Ryan. I actually. I actually kind of liked what I saw early in the season from uh, from Central Michigan. If you remember, they played uh, Oklahoma State really competitively in the opener. They ended up losing by a lot. Yeah, they ended up losing by two touchdowns, but it was more competitive than that. They scored forty four points. They never scored. They only scored over forty one more time the rest of the year. That was against Bucknell. And then, of course, the next week they lose by two touchdowns at home to South Alabama. Uh, Finally, get a W against Bucknell, and then just got blown out pretty much the rest of the way. Of their losses last season, Ryan, I think I had down two of them were by single digits. Every other one was actually I noted it. Every other one was by at least like seventeen points, something like that. They weren't competitive. Sixteen points. They weren't competitive in a lot of games and finished four and eight. And on top of that, they lose like nine, eight or nine starters on defense, which is going to hurt. And they lost some quality football players yeah. as well. I think that it was a more talented team than what the record indicated as far as like the level of talent. I mean, they lost their running back, Lou Nichols, who was led the NCAA in rushing the year before, right? Mm-hmm. Like Lou Nichols, you lose. Daniel Richardson, your quarterback, is gone, who had some promise. And then Travis Incum, who's our defensive end, was actually a late-round draft pick, I believe, if not a priority free agent. We had double-digit sacks last year for Central Michigan as well. So you lost three of your best football players off of a not-very-good football team, right? Yeah. So I, I hope Coach Ed McElwain can get it turned around, but I have a feeling that team's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better moving yeah. forward here. Yeah, I have a, I have the same feeling, Ryan. They're they're going to struggle. So they're eleven now. You and I have the next two flipped, but it's kind of like a, a a flip of the coin. It, it's not really that big of a disagreement. It's like we think two bad teams. Which one's worse than the other team? I have Stanford in the number ten spot. You have Navy in the t- number ten spot. I have Stan- uh, Navy in the nine spot. You have Stanford in the nine spot. So we have them basically the same spots, just kind of flipped around. Uh, we'll yep. talk about Stanford first. The only reason that I would even consider moving them up to nine is because as the more I've researched about Troy Taylor, the more I like. I, I think he did some really nice things at Sacramento State. The problem is he doesn't have a very good quarterback. He lost a lot from an already not very good offensive line. Yep. Lost some pretty talented players on the offensive skill positions. Yes, they get Benjamin Urasek back, but they lost a lot. They do get EJ Smith back too, who got hurt early last season, which should help their run game a little bit, but who's blocking for him? And then they don't have much coming back from a defense that just pretty much was bad last year. I know that some of you all may not know that their defense was bad last year because you only watched the game that Notre Dame played against them. But against everyone else, their defense was bad. So <laughs> I just it, Stanford's a, 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 a tough one. Obviously, you play the game on the road. It's the last game of the season. But I just think Stanford's going to really struggle this year under Coach Shen. Now, I do think they're going to get it turned around somewhat quickly, Ryan, as long as this whole conference realignment stuff doesn't hurt them too bad in recruiting because he's had a, he's putting together a really quality 2024 recruiting class so far, including getting a Notre Dame legacy in Emmett Mosley Jr. So I really like what he's doing on the recruiting trail. The problem is just right now the team he inherits is yeah. a mess. And, the, and now they lose guys to the NFL, but they lost a lot of guys to the portal as well. They did. They did. 
it, this is a this is a projection of breathing a breath of fresh air into a program that needed a breath of fresh air, yeah. right? Like that's kind of what I see with this game with this team is I don't think Stanford's going to be a good football team, obviously, yeah. or I wouldn't have them low, as lowly ranked as you know in in that spot. I think what I'm kind of what I'm betting on here, at least from the entirety of Stanford is that Stanford will be a little bit more energetic and actually look like they want to be there on a week-to-week basis, right? Like, I I just think that that team had kind of given up on David Shaw, to be honest. Like, they kind of tapped out over the last couple years. And I think that, honestly, they had some talent over the last couple years. I mean, I look at some guys like Miles Hinton and Walter Rouse and Tanner McKee, and you mentioned EJ Smith that's back and Benjamin Yorasek. Like, there's more talent than what they've been winning over the last couple of years. But the problem is, I think that everything just got kind of monotonous, man. They're just like, it's the same old thing every single week. Mm-hmm. And there was just no energy in that program. Troy Taylor, and I think it's emulated a lot by the recruiting thing that he's been doing right now, because you mentioned it, right? Commitments from Elijah Brown, commitments from Emmett Mosley, commitments from guys like Benedict Ume, who's a talented player, obviously, out of the Northeast. I just think that Troy Taylor is at least going to get the most out of this team. Now, it's not a very talented roster for sure, but I think they might be a team that just plays a little bit over their head this year because they finally, for the first time in a long time now, or at least the first time in a couple of years, they have new, which sometimes new can kind of spur some like new energy. And that's kind of what I'm counting on for Stanford is hopefully there's some new energy. And if you have an upset or two throughout the season, maybe you're a little bit better than people expect. Then coming into that last game of the season against Notre Dame, it's like, hey, guys, even if we're not going to go bowling this year, let's shock the world and let's beat Notre Dame for the second right. time in two years and get this regime started on the right pathway. That's kind of just what I see with Stampers. I just think they might have a breath of fresh air in that program this year. Couple things that went into this decision for me, Ryan. Part of me wanted to put Stanford ahead of Navy or like high, ranked higher than Navy because of the fact that they're both new coaches, but Navy's going to be in week one and Stanford's in week 12. And, and the initial thought process was well, you're going to get Stanford 12 game, 11 games into the new coaching staff. And that was kind of something that led to me. There's two factors that 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 or, or why I place Navy ahead. Number one is we don't really know what Navy's going to run on offense, and there's going to be that element yeah. of surprise. Whereas yeah. if Notre Dame was playing Stanford in Week One, you know what he runs, right? You just how's it going to fit the personnel? But you know what Troy Taylor runs. I, there's there's a I mean they're talking about playing two quarterbacks. We'll dive into this next week a little bit more. But like those are two very different quarterbacks. One of them's an option guy. One of them's sort of a more traditionalish pat player. And I think that's just part of the attempt to play mind games, right? And so we'll see what they do. That factored into it as well. The other part to me that that I even consider dropping Navy lower than even Central Michigan is just simply because of this. By week 12, I have a bad feeling about where their roster is going to be because they're just going to have the natural attrition that happens in college football, and their depth chart is already incredibly thin anyway. And that's an, another reason I went with Navy ahead of Stanford, but they're very similar teams as far as just not being that good. But the Navy game kind of kind of concerns me a little bit. Yeah. Up it, next, it's like, a, it's like a it's like a prettier pig conversation, right? Yes. Like which yes. one do you want? <laughs> yes. Yes. The the, on, the only thing is, I would say Navy to me would would have the greater chance of pulling off an upset because of the junky offense that they run. Uh, and honestly, that even that even caused me to m- consider ranking them even higher, just from a toughness standpoint, was the not knowing really what they're going to run. 
they're going to come out in the air raid. I can feel yeah. it. It's going to be something funky. I mean, a, it, a it Phil is. Longo disciples going yeah. to be in, down in Navy. Notre Dame's yeah. going to be thinking they're running a triple, and then they're just going to come out some funky stuff. It's going to be interesting for sure. Number eight on our list, Ryan, is next is Wake Forest, which is the last home game of the season. It, and it didn't, it just kind of worked out this way. It's not like they moved yeah. the Wake Forest game here because they got Sam Hartman. It was already scheduled. But Notre Dame Senior Day is going to be Sam Hartman playing against his former team, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Wake is actually a, I think they're still a bowl caliber team this year, Ryan. I do. Yeah. They've got some talent coming back. Taylor Moore at receiver. Uh, I think uh, the, the Williams kid comes back at receiver. Uh, Banks, the, Jamal the, Banks. Yes, yeah. he comes back. The, the couple things, though. Obviously, the quarterback situation is not going to be as good, although the kid that replaced him last year has been in the system for a few years. And actually, it's Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. he handled himself well because if you if people remember, he actually started the opener when Sam Hartman was out. Now, they played VMI, but he went sure. 21 of 29 for 288 yards and three touchdowns. My, my, uh, so, my buddy actually said that that kid has a pretty live arms. For yeah, he does. Worth, so, he does. Yeah. I don't think the accuracy is as good as what it showed in that game, in my opinion. Yeah, but this is a kid that that's got some tools. He's a he's a good sized kid, you know. I mean, he's not actually not a good size. He's like a thick kid. He's kind of short, yeah. but he's a thick kid. Uh, so he he's a kid that's kind of built to take a little bit of a pounding. I think more so than he was early in his career. He can run around a little bit, you know, in the pocket. But to me, he's he's just he's got a live arm. I just don't think he's Sam Hartman number one. Their offensive line took more hits this offseason. They've had now yeah. two years in a row with suffering big offensive line hits. And then recently it was announced that Donovan Green was going to be out for three to five months. Which and that's stinks, a huge man. blow. Stinks yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It really he, does. He, that kid just can't stay healthy. He's talented, no, man. He actually he had a is. pretty decent NFL grade this offseason because he's a talented athlete, but it's just yeah. unfortunate he can't stay Former healthy. really good basketball player. He was a really good yeah. basketball player in high school. But yeah, he was their number two receiver last year from a yard standpoint at 642. And he was, uh, you know, at, at 37 catches, 642 yards, six touchdowns. So you lose your number one and now your number two receivers from last year. Again, good news is even without them, a combination of Keyshawn Williams, Taylor Moran, and Jamal Banks is still a really good receiving core. All right. Sure. I mean, so so the kid's not going to be hurting for talent every receiver. No, no. And I believe their tight end is also back, right? I think Whitehart's back as well. Uh, no, he's believe. gone. He was in the NFL draft. Did he year. leave? Okay, so yeah. he left early. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. still had eligibility left. And then, of course, the other problem that Wake Force has, and this is really what kept them down for me, is their defense is still really bad. Yeah. And, and they I lost one of their best players in Buck, Buckroyd yeah. this offseason to yep. Oklahoma. So Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that's, that's going to hurt them a little bit. And I don't know that they did necessarily did anything to make it better, in my opinion. So – that's why I have Wake Forest there at the number eight. And then, of course, getting it home. It's not like you're going to have Sam Hartman overlooking Wake Forest. No. If anything, the concern is, is he a little too emotional about the game? But, I mean, if he's the competitor we think he is, he's going to want to have his best game that week. Well, you know, not out of that, spite like a, or ill will, yeah. just, you know, just kind of the it's kind of what you want to do. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I could see that being a game where Hartman is just, like, amped, right? But, like, amped in a good way. Not amped as in, like, I want to make every throw perfect and I'm just like t- uptight the whole time. But I could see because it's also a because I mean, for me, Brian, it's like Notre Dame getting juice against a team like Wake Forest, right? Like it's it's not a super like sexy, like, oh man, it's a great team. I want to beat their brains in, yada, yada, yada. I think that having Hartman here 
is a great motivation factor for the rest of the team. Like, hey, man, we want to win for our guy, for our QB1, and, and have his Sam Hartman revenge game, even though I know things ended well with like their relationship. I still think that they'll want to show out in that game. Number seven, Ryan, we had a, a little bit of a disagreement. Our next three are all the same. We just have yep. them ordered a little bit differently. I have Pitt at number seven. Now, here, here's some things about Pitt. I, I actually... I, I think that you could make a case that the next four teams could all be rearranged in some order. And it's it, the, those four are Louisville, Nancy State, Pitt, and Duke. Now, we both have Duke at four, which we'll get into in a little bit. But you can make a case that some other teams could be higher for other factors that we could get into. But here's why I have Pitt where I have Pitt. Of the other three teams we're in consideration here, this is the one yeah. that's at home. This is a home yes. game. It comes after a bye week. So Notre Dame will get a chance to kind of get rested and get refreshed and get back on track. Because I've always said this, bye weeks are best for just recovery. That's the best thing about a bye week. I I think putting in a bunch of new stuff during the bye week can actually be detrimental. I, yeah. I think the ORI on that, it can sometimes be not ideal. But it's a great rest. You're coming off of a really tough four-game stretch against Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and USC. Be a good get healthy type of type of period for Notre Dame. And and with Pitt, you know, they've lost a lot of talent the last two years. They lost Jordan Addison two years ago. This past year, they lost the running back who was, I mean, top 10 net rusher in college football, like top five rusher yeah. in college football last year. I, I love that kid, Abakana. Yeah, yeah he's really, yeah, he really good football player. He's in the NFL now. They they have some players coming back, Ryan. I just I don't love the talent that Pitt has. They've got some good players coming back. There's not a lot of overall talent there, but the combination of it being at home. And the uncertainty of who Phil Dracovic is going to be is why I have Pitt here. Now, what I would say is, is if Phil Dracovic gets back to being the 2020 version of Phil Dracovic, then you right. can make a case that Pitt should be fourth on this list when you consider how tough Pitt has tended to play Notre Dame in the past. But for all the stuff we talk about how tough Pitt plays Notre Dame, let's not forget that two of the last three times Notre Dame and Pitt have played, Notre Dame has blown Pitt out. Sure. Right. So, you know, so, so there's that as well. I, it's really the Jerkovic thing is the thing for me right now. He is the beat up, you know, played behind a bad O line hasn't been healthy the last two years. And if he goes down, I think they're really in trouble in my opinion. Cause I, I don't think that there, I think there's going to be a, a, a drop off their quarterback, but if he's healthy and mentally and physically, he's now playing for the OC that he had his success at BC with yep. and you you could jump them up, but right now it's just we've seen this too many times with quarterbacks, Ryan. When you go through that sort of that, they get broke mentally and physically. You, yeah. They don't often come back from that, and so I got to see Jerkovic do that before I'm going to buy that he can be that quarterback again. And he doesn't have a Zay Flowers to throw to on sure. this one. And him and Zay were great because Phil threw a really good deep ball, and Zay was a great deep ball pass catcher. He's not going to have the weapons he had at Pitt this year. Not that they're bad weapons, but that receiving core he had in 2020 was really good it was. that season. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where I have them a little lower. And I don't love the talent they have come up. And we talk about the running back, but losing uh, – it's Cansey, right? I always, I always say want to say Cansey. Cansey. Yeah. That's a big loss too because that was a very productive interior defensive lineman for them last year. It was. It was. I, I think for me, it, usually when quarterbacks get broken though, usually they don't land on – in better situations yes, after you get broken, point. right? Like that's kind of the, the difference here. I think a little bit is that Phil Dracovic somehow is going to a team that is upgraded as far as the protection he's going to have, which I think is great. He's also going to mm -hmm. be able to 
yes, you lose a great player in Abacananda, excuse me. But I think that Pitt is usually a, a good running team, right? Like they usually are able to at least find some good running backs that are able to play a game. I know Rodney Hammonds, I think, is a pretty talented running back that's coming back for them. And they have a good offensive line. Matthew Goncalves at left tackle is going to be a top 50 draft pick next year. They have some good offensive linemen coming back, even with a couple defections. But I think that that offensive line is going to be good. I think they're going to be able to run the football. And I think that Phil Dracovic, as long as he's just serviceable enough in that system, I think that mm-hmm. he's going to be an upgrade over what they had in Keaton Slovis last year. And despite oh, yeah. having last year, despite having the limitations as a passer in Keaton Slovis, I mean, you still went nine and four, right? I right. mean, you were still a pretty good football team. So. I, I think that for me, I, I expect them to still play good defense. I expect them to be able to run the football, and I expect their offensive line to be good. And I, when you're, I, I thought their defense took a step back last year, though, Ryan. That that's kind of where I where I come from on that is I don't think their defense is going to be as good as it's been in past years. And we did see that we saw some slippage a little bit last year, despite not playing. I mean, you look at their conference schedule; they gave up 24 points a game last year, and didn't play Florida State or Clemson. Now, they didn't play Tennessee. And held them to held them to thirty four points, which may not seem like a, you know, like oh, if they gave up thirty four points, but yeah, holding that Tennessee team that scored forty six points a game to thirty four is an accomplishment, in my opinion. Yeah. And they had a chance yeah. to win that football game, and I think it was thirty four. I think it was an overtime, wasn't it? Didn't that game go to overtime, or was that the year before? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember, but it was a competitive game that Pitt was in. That's the, that's the point, right? But yeah. um, yeah. So I just. I, I, I see where you're coming from. And, and I, like I said, it's not so much that I'm pushing back on it. Cause as I, I think you can make a case that a lot of these teams can be rearranged. There's a lot of closeness. What it comes down to for me is the home aspect of it. And the fact that it's that. after a buy. Yeah. That was the thing that sort of tipped the scales for me as far as having pit third of these next three teams. That's fair. Cause I think that both those things obviously played in Notre Dame's favor big mm-hmm. time. The other thing that has me, not worried, but just kind of like slightly just kind of interested is that even though you're coming off a bye, if Notre Dame's in a good situation coming to Pittsburgh, let's say you're undefeated or you have one loss, after Pitt, you're playing Clemson as the last of those pillar games, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that they're going to overlook necessarily, but you know if you're Notre Dame and if you're a if if you're one of their players, you're going to look at that and say, coming into that last four game stretch, if I am zero losses or one loss. I got a chance to to make a playoff run here, right, guys? Right. And that clubs game, I think, is going to be highlighted so much at that point because those last two games against well, it's Wake Forest and Stanford, the last two, that should be easy sailing-ish, at least in quotations, right? So Clemson, that big game that's left on the schedule, I just think that there's some parts of like Pittsburgh as a tough kind of gritty team coming in with the last pillar game the week after that one just has my attention a little bit. You're worried about them overlooking it. Just human nature. Just just a little, but it's not worried. It's just about what the criteria is that goes into where we place these teams. Right. And that's, that's a part of it. So that's a good, I'm I'm just really interested to see how well they get up for that type of game with Clemson. The next week is the last big one. What you just said about that is why I have Louisville ahead of Pitt is part of the reason I have Louisville ahead of Pitt, Ryan, because I, I, that's next on the schedule. Number six yeah. is Pitt for me. Uh, number six for me is Louisville. And the reason I have Louisville number six, Ryan, is I, I, if I had to make a prediction, I would not be shocked if Pitt finishes ahead of Louisville in the standings because of the way that their schedules match up. But I think Louisville might be a tougher game because I worry about the looking ahead to USC. 
the next week, right? You're coming off of a, you know, a back-to-back tough games as well. That's also part of it. You've got, I mean, if you're able to survive the next, the previous two games against Ohio State and at Duke, you're now coming to Louisville with USC on the line. I just kind of have that, is this that stub your toe week? We, I would say of the teams that I have ranked in this group of four that we talk about that are, they're, they're pretty close together. Louisville's the one that I have the most questions about though, Ryan. That's the one thing I will say is, is the placement of the game is probably is a big, not probably is a big reason why I have them ahead of Pitt, yeah. but I have the most questions about them. You know, obviously the transition to Jeff Brom's system, you lose yeah. your quarterback, you're getting another, you're, you're getting a guy to play for you. That's played in Jeff Brom's system but he clearly wasn't overly effective at it. And that's partly why he transferred. Right. And the talent on offense is good. It's not great. Uh, Your defense is relying on a lot of quality power five transfers. That's another thing I like about Louisville is by game six or seven for Louisville, those, all those transfers that are coming to help out the defense should be in a little bit more of a, we know the system type of mentality. And, and uh, you know, they're going to be a quality team. I mean, I really think there's a stretch of eight opponents, eight play, eight teams right here that I think are all bowl teams. I think Wake Forest and above are all bowl teams. So uh, that's where Louisville gets to me. Yeah, there's some players in the Jeff Brom system, but Notre Dame knows the Jeff Brom system. They've played it two of the they last do. three years, right? Yep. They played against Purdue in, in 2020, right? Excuse me, 2021. Um, no, they've played they played it against it once. I keep thinking that the the – Jake Pl- Jack Plummer, they played against twice, but not uh, not Jeff Brom system. They played against Jeff Brom, obviously coached against him two years ago. I thought the defense shut that system down because the biggest thing for me, Ryan, is, is if Notre Dame plays their game, Louisville can't beat Notre Dame because I think where, where Louisville's going to struggle is the same place Purdue struggled two years ago. They're not going to be able to play with Notre Dame in the trenches if yeah. Notre Dame plays their game. And that's a reason I thought about having them lower, but the placement is why I have them where I have them. That's fair. I, I can definitely get the placement. I, I think Louisville is going to be an interesting team because I'm not really, I think you said the biggest question marks, right? Like, I don't know what to expect of that team 100% in year one. I, they're a big unknown. I can see Jeff Brom working some magic and it's like, oh, wow, the system works, right? Like you're all of a sudden you're better. My hesitation is that they were actually a big defensive team last year. Like they did some good things on the defensive side of the ball. You lost Yasir Abdullah. You lost Yaya Diaby as your two best pass rushers. Like that's just where I'm like struggling with Louisville a little bit. But I wouldn't be shocked if I look at if we were looking down the line and it's like Louisville quietly went eight and four in Jeff Brown's first year because they have a more competent offensive structure and they're able to get the most out of Jack Plummer. Like they're one of those teams, honestly, for me, that was probably the hardest to put into a slot Louisville because there's some names you know there's a coach you know very well but there's a lot of volatility to how good that team could be this year like I wouldn't be shocked if Louisville went eight and four nine and three I wouldn't be shocked if they went six and six I also wouldn't be shocked if they went five and seven in a transitional year like there's just a lot of different outcomes I think that could come with them next on the list Ryan we had the we we kind of so you had pits five, yeah. I had pits seven, yeah. I had Louisville six, you had Louisville seven. My number five team is your number six team, so again, really yeah. close. It's just a little little bit of a flip, and that is NC State. I have NC State number five. A couple of yeah. reasons why I have NC State over the other two teams. I have a lot more certainty about what no, NC State has a quarterback than those other two teams, which I think right now are big question marks. 
if I had to take one of those three kids right now to run my offense, it'd be Brandon Armstrong because I don't worry about him being injured and injury prone. And is he a little bit punch drunk like Phil Dracovic after the beating he took the last three years? That's not a shot at Phil Dracovic. It's a, I mean, that happened to David Carr, right? Or Derek Carr. No, it's Dave. Which one's the older one? Derek is the older one, right? Or David's David, the old one. David's, David's the, old the one. one that went right by the Texans. And got Correct. And he just got his yeah. his body yeah. beat up and just mind beat up with playing for the, the Texans, those early Texan teams under, uh, what was the name? Chris, uh, what was their first head coach? The offensive guy, Chris, some, uh, goodness gracious. I, I know you're talking about. Um, it was, um, yeah, but yeah. anyway, here here's, here's kind of some of the things for me, Ryan. Yeah. Here's what puts, I'll be real simple. Here's what puts a little, NC State ahead all the others. Obviously, it's the road game, so that factors into the pit conversation. But when it comes down to it, it it's simple. It's as simple as this: is I don't have a lot of faith um, in some of the circumstance of other teams. But the one thing I know, I don't have a lot of faith in Dave Doran. But the one thing I really like about these players, or about this team, I should say, is this is one of the best coordinator combinations that Notre Dame is going to face all year in my opinion. And that's what I like about NC State. There are questions about the talent. Ryan, I know that you're going to talk about this. NC State lost some really good players on defense. They lost some pretty good players on offense. They're not a loaded roster, but Robert and I and Tony Gibson, to me, is arguably the best coordinator combination Notre Dame is going to face all year. Now, if Ryan Day is still calling plays for Ohio State, I take that back because Ryan Day is a good offensive coordinator. He's not necessarily – we don't know if he's a great head coach, but he's a great offensive coordinator. And then, obviously, Jim Knowles. But this yeah. combination, I really like Tony Gibson. That three-three-five defense is – you know, it, how how on sync will Notre Dame be by game three? You know, that's the placement part of it, too, is, you know, Notre Dame's learning a new new offensive coordinator. Hartman's still learning new players. The offensive line is still trying to gel. And then now you've got to go face Tony Gibson's three-three-five defense, right? Like yeah. – you know, that's a concern for me. And then, then we've seen what Robert and I can do. He took a terrible Syracuse offense and pass offense and turned it around and made it pretty good up to Spencer Schrader getting hurt last year. And he did some some great things at Virginia with that offense as well. He is one of the most underrated coordinators, and he's bringing in a quarterback that he just had 44-plus hundred yards with two years ago in that league. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's not the personnel as much as it's – I have a lot of faith in those two coordinators combined with it being early enough in the year to where I worry about will the Notre Dame offense be clicking well enough by game three? Because this was that was a concern we had about Notre Dame last year was how we knew the O-line was going to be good. We just know when it was going to come together, right? And that hurt them the first couple games. And I have a little bit of a concern about that with the offense this year, Ryan, is I think the offense is going to be really good this year. I don't know that it's going to be week one, right? And that's what we got to – you know, when, when is it going to click? And the NC State game is early enough to where you, you get a little bit concerned uh, about that and then being on the road as well. So that's why I have NC State number five. And honestly, Ryan, why I considered putting NC State ahead of Duke is simply because the earliness of it and the coordinator yeah. aspects. But I'll get into why I ended up going with Duke here in a minute. But but that's why I have sure. NC State number five. NC State's another weird team for me because I agree. I think I think. Anai is Robert Anai is going to be able to get the most out of Brendan Armstrong. He's also kind of in that Phil Dracovic area, though, where I'm just like, man, he was bad last year, right? And I know it wasn't all his fault, obviously, to the Tony Elliott effects, right, of playing down in Virginia. But man, like, how, what version are you exactly going to get 
from Brendan Armstrong, right? Or is he going to be the guy can, from two years ago? Can I say this, Ryan? Can I, inter- yeah. can I interject this? Because I want I, sure. I, to your point, we've yep. seen three Brendan Armstrongs. Yes. We saw an okay Brendan Armstrong in 2020. Yep. We saw a really good Brendan Armstrong in 2021. And we saw a horrible Brendan Armstrong in 2022. Yes. Right. So we've actually seen it's not even just two year difference of with an eye without an eye. The first yeah. version of Virginia at Virginia with Brendan Armstrong with Robert and I wasn't great either. No. And so that he, he like to your point, that is, that is a very different version. Like I yeah. think I, I want to, the reason I want to interrupt you too, Ryan, is I want to actually put a number to it. Cause it's, it, it really is wild yes. in 2020. Brennan Armstrong in nine games through 2000 for 2,117 yards, 18 touchdowns and 11 picks. He averaged 235.2 rushing yards per game, ran for over 500 yards and had five touchdowns. So 23 total touchdowns in 2021 in 11 games. It's only two more games. He threw for 4,449 yards, 31 touchdowns and 10 picks he averaged. He went from 235.2 passing yards a game to 404.5. He also rushed for nine touchdowns and had 40 total touchdowns. Then you come into 2022, and in 10 games, he passed for 2,210 yards, only completed 54.6% of his throws, which is over in a which was about an 11% dip from the year before. He passed for 58.6 and 20, 65.2 in 2021, and he averaged 221 yards per game. He had a grand total of 13 total touchdowns, seven passing, six rushing, and 12 picks last season. So we've seen three distinctly different Brendan Armstrongs in his last three seasons. So how can yes. you know what he's going to be this year, right? Exactly. That, yeah. That's the that's the question. Especially in a completely different situation now where the one thing about Virginia, the year that he was good, Brendan Armstrong in 2021, is – he has a pretty good wide receivers, right? Like and tight ends. Yeah, and tight ends. I mean, yeah, Jelani Woods. I completely forgot about Jelani Woods. I mean, yeah, he had some really good pass catchers just in general that year. NC State, they lost Thayer Thomas. I think Devin Carter is no longer on that team at wide receiver. So I just had some questions of what the skill position is around him. I think the offensive line is going to be pretty good, though, because they have their mm. left tackle coming back. They have Dylan McMahon coming back on the interior offensive line. So I think that their offensive line is going to be able to protect Brandon Armstrong, which would be good. Defensively, I love Tony Gibson. I think that he is one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football. I think he's an incredible defensive mind. But a lot of losses on that side of the ball, right? You saw Peyton Wilson back. You saw both corners, Shaheen Battle and Aiden White coming back. So it's not like it's bare, right? Like you still have a lot of good players. But the, inti- but the middle of that defense was kind of hit with a lot of losses this offseason. You lost Drake Thomas and Isaiah Moore at linebacker where he played a lot of football. You lost Corey Durden at defensive tackle. You also lost Tanner Engel at safety, who were all very substantial producers for NC State. So I think there, you could still count on Tony Gibson getting the most out of that team, and I think that there still could be a good defense. But are they going to be quite as good as they have been over the last couple of years? That's kind of where I'm just kind of – second guessing it a little bit i think that nc state will still be a good football team obviously i had them at number six you had them at number five so it's not like there's a ton of difference i actually do think though because it's weird right dave doran i think that you can always pretty much know what what type of team you're going to get right like they're kind of like a pittsburgh feel to it where it's like they're just gonna be a good solid team are they going to be great maybe not but are they going to be bad 
Probably not, right? Like they're probably going to be at least be a good solid football team. This is one of the more volatile teams that I can remember under Dave Doran over the last couple of years because I look and I say defensive losses, wide receiver losses, and brand new offensive system and quarterback coming in. For all I know, NC State might be nine and three or ten and two this year. But also for all I know, they might be seven and five and just a mm-hmm. solid football team. You know, like there's just a little bit of a there's a little bit of volatility to how good NC State could be this year. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I just go back to the one thing that's not volatile. They have two very good coordinators. And if if I had more faith in Dave Doran, because somebody on the board, we were talking about this, said, you know, NC State's always a really well-coached team. And I was like, I don't agree with that. I think he's had some teams that have definitely underachieved during his tenure at NC state. I'm not I, a big I think Dave last Dorn year fan. underachieved last yeah. year underachieved for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm much more high on their coordinators than I am Dave Dorn. Like that Notre Dame team that came that NC state team that came to play Notre Dame in 2017. They shouldn't have got whooped like that by Notre Dame. Now with the, the talent hurricane they had. game, the hurricane no, game, the yeah. 2017 no. game is the one at oh. home that Notre Dame yeah. beat them by 21, where they ran for over 300 yards against a yeah. D line that had four guys that got drafted in the fourth round or higher in the starting Bradley, and Bradley Chubb and all those dudes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a starting Mike linebacker it, that's now starts for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. The Mike exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'm really big fan of their coordinators, uh, but we'll see if Dave Dorn can get them ready to play. The other, the other thing too, that kind of Ryan to, to led me to thinking maybe dropping them a little bit is mm-hmm. the fact that this is going to be game two for right. them this season yeah. and you know, so so how into that system will they be so some of the concerns that i have about notre dame's offense early you then have to say but you got to look at it the other way around and say how will that offense be ready for a what's going to be i think a really good notre dame defense that's the other part of it too right so whereas notre dame will have two games to get ready for nc state nc state gets one they get uconn right. that's it because they start in week one, Notre Dame starts in week zero. So that's the other factor that you could use to argue that NC State should be a little bit lower. UConn's also not the just rollover that they were a couple years ago either. They're Jim getting Moore's better. done a nice job there, man. He did a right. really I, I, nice I job watched, there. I watched a bunch of their tape this offseason, man. I'm like, they got some more talent than people kind of get. And they're well coached. Like, he got them man. going quickly. He yes. did a really nice job there. So, so uh, we've NC had State should beat them, but like – I don't think it's a rollover game. Is the we had know. him on our show a few times before you came on, Ryan, talking about the draft and different different guys from their name back uh, after the 2020 season. So really nice guy. Like we talked a couple, a little bit afterwards, really good dude. So I was glad to see him doing well at, at UConn. So yeah. um, you kind of expect the son of an NFL coach and he's been in the spotlight, been at UCLA, you know, you kind of expect yeah. him to kind of have this, I'm too cool for you. I'm just doing this Arrogance. as a favor to it. Yeah. And he wasn't yeah. like that at all. Really good. good guy. Really good guy, so I I I, I like Jim Moore. Really, uh, glad that he's doing well. Really glad he's doing well. So let's get to our top four, Ryan. And the next four we have in the same order. Number four is Duke, and yeah. I think there, there's a lot of things to factor into this one, Ryan. In in a part of it, I'll let you kind of talk about the team, and I'll talk about the circumstance. Right, the a big reason why we have Duke here is the the coaching and the talent, which we're going to get into. But the other part of it is you can't dismiss the fact that it comes the week after Ohio State. And it's going to be one of two emotions that you worry about. The dejection of losing to Ohio State at home. How is this team going to respond to that? They didn't respond to it well last year. And then the second one is you beat Ohio State. 
and sort of that hey that that euphoria that comes from that is there a letdown against a duke team that maybe you don't respect but you should Right. And those are the two. Either way, the placement of this game, being a road game a week after Ohio State, is a big thing that's a tiebreaker over all the other team-related topics we could have. To me, that alone is is uh, is where I ha- is why I would have them there. But Ryan, make no mistake, this isn't just a Duke football team that Mike Elko used his wizard magic to turn into a nine and four football team last year. He did a phenomenal right. job coaching. There's no doubt. Yep. But this is a team that's got surprisingly good talent on both sides of the ball. They do. I mean, if you're just talking about NFL draft perspective for a second, because that's how we kind of coin talent sometimes, is Riley Leonard, I think, is going to be an NFL quarterback. I really like that kid. A dual threat kid, 6'4", 212 pounds. He can run. He can throw. I really like Riley Leonard. You started I, I'm, I'm, uh, You started talking to me about him before I had even seen him play yet. Yeah, I saw you him started, in the first game against somebody yes, bad last year. Like, you were like, play, dude, man. this kid right. can play. Like, Ryan jumped on that bandwagon quick, y'all. Yeah. Like, I, like real fast. And he was like, you got to watch this kid. And so I checked him out, and I was like, yeah, this kid can play, right? So I just want to make sure that other people understand this. Ryan saw that from Riley Leonard like week one, week one yeah. and two with that I kid. Don't even remember. I don't even remember who they were playing, man. It was someone not good, but, I mean, they he just – was like, oh, that kid can play a little bit, man. Like, he's pretty talented because he also has a real good offensive line coming back. Graham Barton Temple coming back. It was the Temple G- game. Yes. Yeah. It was the Temple game. Yeah. Graham Barton coming back at left tackle. Jacob Monk coming back at guard. Is They're both all ACC caliber football players. They all were all ACC last season. He also has three returning wide receivers that are all very talented in their own rights, kind of bring different styles to the game. And defensively, Mike Elko for one, which is great, right, as a defensive mind. And then also he's got Dwayne Carter coming back. He's got Jamion Franklin coming back. He's got um, R.J. Oben coming back, whose father played in the NFL, Roman Oben. So that defensive front is surprisingly good for Duke, right? So they have a good defensive line. They have a good offensive line. They have some receivers coming back, and they have a playmaker at quarterback, and I think they're well coached. So a 9-4 and four team last year, I think a chance has, to, has a chance to – be a 10 plus win team this year in the ACC. I really think Duke takes a step forward this year, even more than last year. They're, they're still kind of a younger team as far as grades perspective, but they got a lot of really nice experience last year, which I think is big time. So I expect them to be a really tough out this year for everyone, not just Notre Dame. And you, you look at it. I I like the skill on the perimeter and I think they've got a D line that can give Notre Dame problems. And they got a mobile quarterback. Those are like three recipes to a potential upset, Ryan. You got to have an offense that can score. But you have to have a defense that can make stops. Yes. And they have a shot to have both of those. Now, yep. what kind of jump? Look, Duke's not sneaking up on anybody this year, right? That that's yeah. the other thing. And so we're going to find out what kind of you know what kind of team that Duke is going to have this season from that regard. But they got a lot of good players coming back, Ryan. And and like I said, I, I loved. Love the job that he did. Now, here's here's an interesting question about this game, too, is Duke is going to play Clemson in the opener, and then they play at UConn the week before. So Notre Dame's going to have two games against two straight ACC games against teams coming off of road games at UConn. Yep. So there'll be a little bit of That's that. Weird. Okay, we know what UConn is. How does yep. this team kind of stack up in those type of things? So the it, it's going to be interesting, but I, I just I really like the placement of this team. 
I like Riley Leonard. Somebody just asked if Riley Leonard is a dual threat quarterback. Yes, he is. He, he led is them in rushing a, last year. He had like yes. 700 yards or something. Yeah, <laughs> 699 yards and 13 rushing touchdowns, 5.6 yeah. per carry on top of throwing for 2,967 yards and 20 touchdowns yes. and only six picks. So, yeah, this is a this is a good football player. And so they have all the sort of the making of – they've got all the ingredients to a potential upset team. Uh, that that makes you a little bit nervous. Now, again, is this a game their name should win? Yes, but it's one of those games where if you don't bring it, you know, if you don't at least bring your B plus game against Duke, you're you you could get yourself beat in that type of game. So uh, that's why Duke is there at number four for me. And the gap between three and four isn't as great as some people might think, but there's a gap. The top three teams are certainly the 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 clearly the top three teams. But Duke, it's not like those three and then. Like, you know, how Brian Kelly's schedules used to be. There'd be like one or two really good teams. And then there's like this huge drop off to number three, four, and five. And then there's a huge drop off between six and 12 because the schedules in recent years are pretty weak. This isn't that. This is seven to eight teams that are really quality football teams Over. to some degree. And Duke to me is at the tops of all those. It's that combination of quarterback play, talent coming back. Graham Barton, as you mentioned, is a guy that's considered one of the three or four best offensive tackles in football. So they got a quarterback that can play, they got receivers that can play. The kid he beat out a quarterback last year, moved to receiver, had a good first year, but he's in year two of playing yeah. receiver now. You know, I mean, he's going to be better. I remember watching their spring game thinking, these cats have some athletes at, on, on the perimeter for this kid to throw to. And so you look at that. Uh, I always I always want to say Jalen Catalan, the kid that's at Texas now, the safety, but it's Jalen yes. Calhoun. Calhoun. He's a good yeah. football player. Uh, so their top three pass catchers all come back. So I, I, I really like what Duke is doing. And they've got two – quality players up front on the defensive line. D. Wayne Carter, obviously, is a really good defensive tackle. And then a guy that we all know, Jamion Franklin, comes back for a sixth season for Duke. And he had a really quality year last year as a nose a nose tackle for Duke last year, Ryan. Solid, so Solid football player. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. really, and, and did it while going through a lot of – he had three sacks last year, three and a half tackles for loss, five, five pass breakups, uh, 26 tackles as part of that interior defensive line. He could have helped Notre Dame last year, that's for sure. But uh, and, and great kid and did it while his you know mom was going through cancer right so he's playing through that adversity um, really love that kid just you know then this is a good fo- and and Ryan everybody knows my respect for Mike Elko I mean he yeah. is a heck of a football coach in my opinion so this is going to be a, t- a good a, a challenging I, game I just wouldn't be shocked if Duke beats Clemson the first game this season I would not be shocked at all just leave it at that for now if it was it if that. it was honestly yeah it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. There's no doubt about it. It'll it might be one of our predictions. Now that you say that, it might yes. be one of the games I predict for us to do. We're going into the week one. Upset yeah. alert. <laughs> Number three, Ryan. You and I have the same next three as well. Number three is USC. I will say this: there's one factor, one yeah. factor that made me want to consider moving this game up to number two, and that is the week of in, of USC is midterms for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the reason why I chose not to. It goes back to the makeup of this football team. Notre Dame has a lot of starters that don't have to worry about midterms that week because they're graduated. If you look at it, I think um, Riley Mills, Howard Cross, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Nana, all your linebackers, Cam Hart, Xavier Watts, DJ Brown. I believe Ramon Henderson also just graduated. They have a lot of kids that that's not an issue. Sam Hartman. Now, offensively, you've got some younger players that you've got sure. to worry about that, right? Uh, especially your offensive line. Your tackles are going to be taking classes. Your your guards are going to be taking classes. A lot of your receivers. 
but on defense especially, which is the side of the ball that will be, could most be affected by the midterm week, there's a lot of kids on that defense that don't have to worry about that, Ryan. Sure. And and I that can't be dismissed for me either. So I did the research on that, and it is that is midterm week for Notre Dame, and I don't understand why they don't do something about that schedule wise, but whatever. But once I saw that, once I saw that it was, and I started thinking about the roster and thinking about the defense, it 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 doesn't move the needle as much for me. I have USC three number one. They're very talented. It's a very good football team. Caleb Williams is the best football player Notre Dame will probably face all season. With all due respect to Marvin Harrison Jr., I still think Caleb Harrison, just the nature of being a quarterback and he touches the ball every single play, is is kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, you know, that's a that's a a big factor. He's going to have talent around him. I'll say this, Ryan, for all the talk about all the transfers USC got in, I don't think this is as talented of a football team on offense as it was a year ago. With all due respect to Marshawn Lattimore, he's a good running back. He's not as good as Tyson. uh, Marshawn Lloyd. What did I say, Lattimore? Yeah, Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore. He's pretty good. good He's a really good freaking (laughs) football player. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, he's not as good as Dye, Travis Dye. Uh, They're both good backs. Dorian Singer's a nice football player. He's not as good as Jordan Addison. Sure. Uh, you know, I think losing uh, Kyle Ford to UCLA is going to be a loss. Now, Taj Washington's a good football player, and they've got some Brendan Rice is a good football player. But I thought Kyle Ford was a quality football player for them last year. I don't think their offensive line – their offensive line is probably more talented, but it's because it's a bunch of new guys. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing you say about last year's group, Andrew Voorhees was an overrated guy in, in a lot of ways, but he was a sixth-year senior that knew how to play the game. Same thing with solid. the yeah, – yeah, the guard. I mean, they they had a very veteran group. I think their defense is going to be a little bit more talented, just pure athleticism. But are any of those D linemen going to be as good as the kid they had that had like what sixteen sacks um, last year? To, to you know, to a, to a Poto or yeah, yeah. So I just I don't actually think this is going to be as talented of a team as it was last year. And having said that, it's still Lincoln Riley, it's still Caleb Williams, and being not as talented as last year doesn't mean they're still not really talented. They are. It's just I don't think they're quite, quite on par with that with yeah. last year. And I, and I felt you know last year Notre Dame played with them. They the, USC was clearly the better team in that game last year, but Notre Dame played with them and did so without Cam Hart, without Tariq Bracy, without their starting quarterback. And you know I mean I I, I look at that game right. I'm like good lord. I mean. <laughs> Drew Pine, I love Drew Pine, and I was so bummed to hear about his hamstring. Did you hear about that? No. no uh, uh, reports are he might have tore his hamstring in camp, oh, which really sucks because I I love the kid. But Drew is that Pine went shot is going to play if he doesn't yeah, maybe, play. Maybe, maybe. Wow. Drew Pine went twenty three of twenty six for three hundred eighteen yards. Now I know this isn't always a direct correlation, but I start thinking about what's Sam Hartman going to do in that offense. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I'm against that defense. You know, but it's at home. Uh, just a matchup to me compared to the other two teams. You can make a case for USC being higher because of Caleb Williams, Ryan, but I'm I'm comfortable with them being three at this point. Well, I, I am as well because I think that the things you have an advantage, obviously, it's a it's a game at home, and then also you have the bye week right after it. So we always talk about the bye week coming after, but like when there's a bye week we're coming after, if I'm a team, I'm like, I can pull out all the stops here today, mm-hmm. right, folks? Like, let's leave the, everything on the line because we have an extra week to get our bodies back, which I think is going to be big time for them. And let's be honest about this, right? Same defensive coordinator coming back for Notre Dame and Al Golden. A lot of the same defenders coming back. 
they had to have been embarrassed by the game last year, Brian, of how many sacks they missed against Caleb Williams, how they handled that game in general, getting run all over by Austin Jones last year. I Ryan, mean, Mark, Marcus Freeman that. said that to me in our summer interview. You could tell he was not happy with how that game went. He, he talked about how we went away from what was working for us, you know, and you could just tell – you could see it in his face, just the kind of the disgust. And if Al Golden is who I think he is, he's not going to be feeling really good about that game either. And, uh, yeah. I mean, because like I said, there's a lot of defensive players that did play in that football game, right. That are coming back at the linebackers corner, a couple defensive linemen, Caleb Williams. Cause I know first and foremost, you have to think the linebackers and the defensive linemen feel just distaste in their mouth with how they performed in the run. He made them look silly scrambling around, but they also, to your point, Ryan also gave up like 180 yards rushing to Austin Jones. Exactly. I, I think I think the just demoralization of getting run on like that on top of how many sacks should you have had against Caleb Williams last year? How many times were they was he ripped was he gripped up and all of a sudden he just makes magic happen and he's able to convert a third down and long and, and it was just a frustrating game for the Notre Dame defense against USC last year. I think if that this if this is a team that can potentially contend for a playoff spot, they're gonna come in that USC game angry. Like, that's just how I think yeah. that this is going to happen. I, I think hope. they're going to play angry. I hope. And I think Notre Dame's offense is going to be able to move the ball on USC's defense. So yeah. I, I think it's a payback game. I really do. If they don't come in with that attitude, Ryan, it's going to tell us a lot about this football team and not in a good way. Because this yeah. is exactly what we said about Ohio State last year about Michigan. Like, yeah. you know, like they taunted you. They, you know, you were born on third base and you thought that you hit a triple. You know, just taunting yeah. your head coach, taunting, taunting your football team. It's been X number of days since Ohio State's beat Michigan because Michigan ducked out of the game the year before, so they acted as if it was like two years since they won the game. You're like, y'all didn't play last year. You guys quit that right. game. You know what I mean? But didn't stop them from running their mouths because Michigan hadn't – it had been 15 years since Michigan had anything to brag about when it comes to Ohio State, right? So they just acted a fool, and you're thinking, man, Ohio State is going to bring it against Michigan last year, and they didn't. First series was good. You know, went down the field and scored, but – after that, it's like, where's the fire? You know, so we we hope that Notre Dame is going to be that team, Ryan. And you're right, they should be. We're going to find out if they are, and that's going to be the big the big question. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a you know you get you get them at home, and then the other part of it too is Notre Dame's going to be battle tested in that game, and the, and battle tested can mean one of two things. One is. Your battle test is the positive. It's like, look, we've been through this. You're, so yeah, yeah, USC's got great receivers, but three weeks ago we were playing Ohio State's group. We're, you know, we played Duke's group. We just got done playing Jeff Brom's complicated pass offense the week before USC. So yeah, you had to see all that, and then you look at the other side of it. Battle test, battle tested can also mean we're tired, we're worn down. You know, like we've been in some major bat. We've had to play at NC State. We've had to play Ohio State. We've had to play at Duke. We've had to play at Louisville. We just had two back-to-back road games for the USC game, whereas USC is playing Arizona at home the week before. They play at Colorado before that, at Arizona State the week before that, by week, and then the first three games are San Jose State, Nevada, and Stanford. They could be fresher. You know, I mean, there's there's all types of different ways to look at it, and we're going to find that out. We're going to find what this football team is made of. There's 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 no doubt about it. And, and if they are going to be a playoff team, if they're going to be a team that considerably contend for a championship, I think a big indicator will be, well, one, they would have to have a good record going into the, the to the USC game, right? Because it's a little bit later in the year. 
But Brian, for me, if they're ever if they're a team that can can legitimately contend this year, then they'll come into that game angry. They will, and I think that would be a big indicator of how good Notre Dame potentially could be the USC game because that's one of the big blemishes on your on your schedule right now, man. Is that you haven't beat Ohio State in my lifetime, and you got embarrassed defensively last year against USC. You need to be able to do that, man. So I'm. Excited for that game because I think that Notre Dame has a chance to show how proud they are potentially. Yeah. Yep. Do you get back control of that series after USC? Because you dominated that series for the most part. You know, stubbed your toe in 2011, got your butts whooped in 2014 and 16. But after that 2016 loss, Notre Dame's pretty much controlled that series. You know, they won in 17 one in 18. Actually, I think they'd won what four straight because they hadn't played. They didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. Uh, Notre Dame didn't even play that well the year before and still beat USC convincingly 34 to, I think it was 34 to 16, 31 to 16. Um, the, the 2019 game at home that Notre Dame won 30 to 27. That was a game where USC scored late. If you remember, Notre Dame had a big halftime lead in that game. The 2020, the 2018 game was a very hard fought game out in LA, but Notre Dame had won four straight, including a 49 14 beatdown in 2017. So you had controlled that series, and then USC came out. And, and again, we've said this Notre Dame had a couple series where they had a chance if they do this, if they do that, it's a different ball game. But the reality is they didn't do those things. And USC yeah. did those things. When Notre Dame fumbled when it was 17 to 6, that game doesn't get that game's not over basically at that point in time. If USC then doesn't counter by going down and scoring a touchdown, right? Like, so USC did what they needed to do. Well, if Drew Pine doesn't throw a pick here, but he did, and USC right. countered by going down and scoring a touchdown. So it's not like that Notre Dame just gave the game away. USC won the game. Notre Dame didn't make the plays they needed to stay in it, and USC did. And, and, and sometimes we overlook the fact that, well, you know, Caleb Williams did some Superman stuff in that game. He did. But so did Austin Jones, who ran all over Notre Dame in that game. So those are the different things you look at and say, this is going to be a battle, but it's still, for me, number three on this list. Number two is Clemson. This is the one that's probably going to have the most disagreement from fans. The reality is, is a lot of fans are looking at last year's game and just saying, hey, they dominated them last year. They had all those first-round picks. We own it, them. It's right. over. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to remind people that Notre Dame played Stanford at Stanford in 2021, beat them 45 to 14 a year later at home, loses to a Stanford team that had not beaten a power five team in over a calendar year. Right. So just because you did whatever you did last year, doesn't mean that that's what you're going to do this year. Number one, number two, it's on the road. Number three, we can't dismiss how bad Brandon's what's um, I keep wanting to say Brandon Stokely. It's not Brandon Stokely. It's uh what was the kid's name? He played receiver there. He was the OC last year. Oh, Streeter. Brandon Streeter. Brandon Streeter. Yeah. I don't know why I keep want to say Brandon Stokely. Brandon Stokely. Uh, was... Brandon Streeter was not a very good offensive coordinator. And DJ Uyunglele was just a bad fit for that offense. And it just was in his head at that point in time. Now, Notre Dame played great that game. They did on defense and on special teams. But let's not forget, Notre Dame had two scoring drives on offense, two legit scoring drives on offense. That's it. They had a punt block for a touchdown. They had a pick six for a touchdown. And they had another touchdown set up by Notre Dame intercepting a pass at the 12-yard line. Folks, you can't count on that happening again this year. You just can't. 
well, we're going to get another blocked punt for a score and we're going to get another pick. No, that doesn't happen. You're going to have to earn it a whole lot more than you earned it last year in all phases of the game. You're not going to go to Columbus and or to Clemson and beat them throwing for 85 yards. You're not going to run for almost 300 yards again on them. It's just you're just not going to do it, in my opinion. Now that doesn't mean Notre Dame can't or shouldn't win this game. I just think this is going to be a different Clemson team. We talk a lot about the quarterback situation, Ryan. It's a road game. Yep. I think Cade Klubnik is going to be much better this year in year two. Plus, this is going to be in a November game, so he's going to have a bunch of starts under his belt to kind of work out some of the. The jitters, if they were playing like Clemson in week three, I would probably have Clemson lower on this list, Ryan, to be completely honest with you. They're still going to be learning the system. Klubnik's like fourth career start, right? But it's later in the year. He's going to have a, a double digits in career starts under his belt because they also he also started the bowl game. He, he's going to be ready to go. I like the town around him. Here's the other thing that I think a lot of Notre Dame fans are, are losing sight of. This might be the best offensive line Clemson has had in years. Could be. Yeah. It has a chance to yeah. be. They returned some really good ta- – they had a true freshman, Blake Miller, is a really physical football player good that's going to yeah. be better in year two. I like to make – Will Putnam's a quality center. Uh, Walker Parks is a quality player. I'm not saying it's going to be an elite offensive line, but for sure. Clemson, it's going to be one of the best. They've had, they've had a lot of just really solid do-your-job lines. This actually has some ability in it, in my opinion, yeah. Ryan, and that factors into why I why I really like this Clemson team this year. Um, yes, they lost some players on their front seven, but but Ryan, as you're going about to point out, yeah. Clemson's not hurting for defensive linemen on their return team. As long as here's the key, Xavier Thomas has to do something he has not done since his freshman year. He's going to have stay to stay healthy. healthy. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean it, it's it's a I mean this is this is what recruiting brings you right is that you can lose a Miles Murphy and a Brian Brissie up front and still bring back. Tyler Davis and Ruka Roro and, and all those types of guys. Right. And they also bring in Peter Woods as a true freshman yeah. that apparently is looking really good they for have them a few, as well. And Vic Burley, they had, they got Vic as Burley, a true yeah. freshman who's also a really good football player. So they signed three defensive linemen, Ryan, that I think have a chance I, to be really good football players for them. I, I think you could say that Vic Burley's a burly young man. Am I right? Yes. I mean, he's, <laughs> he actually he's is. A actually. He's a big guy. Uh, yeah. He's like 6'3, yeah. 6'4, 275. Uh, Peter Woods is a kid from Alabama that's a really good football yeah. player. I mean, they, those they, those are those freshmen, Ryan, that come in with the size to play now. You know, yes. you, you just talked about Vic Burley, who was listed at 6'4", 275. Peter Woods is listed at like 6'2", 270, something like that, right? Uh, he's yeah. a good football player. They got Tamorian Parker, another kid from Alabama that I originally had. I didn't have in my top 100 postseason top 100, which I never still posted, but he was in my top 100 preseason uh, ranking before his senior year. It's a good football player. Uh, yeah. So they they landed and they they landed a kid, uh, uh, Stephylin Green, who Notre Dame looked at. It's not oh, it's a, big a good interior player. Yeah. Uh, they they landed that defensive lineman whose name I cannot pronounce, last name I cannot pronounce from D.C. He's a good football player. So mm-hmm. they needed a restocking of their offensive line. But here's the thing, Ryan. None of those freshmen have to come in and start. They're yeah. just depth guys. Right. It's like it, it, they're just going to be depth players mo- unless they beat somebody out. Cause like you said, Tyler Davis is back. Rook Ororo is back. Justin Maskell's back. That kids play a lot of football, Clemson. And Xavier yeah. Thomas is back. Right. And although I would argue their linebacking core individually as individual players, they might be a little overrated as individual players. Mainly, I'm looking at Jeremiah Trotter Jr. as a I unit. Very they're very good as a unit, though. Yeah. That's the thing is if you take away the hype about Trotter individually, he's still a good college football player. 
And Barrett yep. Carter, I know, is a guy that you love, Ryan. And oh, then Keith McGuire is a good player coming off the bench. They have good depth there. So Clemson's front seven is still going to be very formidable, which is something when you're playing on the road is can yep. be a bad, you know, a recipe for disaster. And, and kind of what I said with the USC game for Notre Dame's favor of like coming in angry. You, Clemson's yeah. got to come in angry in this game, oh, right? Of like, yes. hey, man, we're, we're at home now. We're and. Clemson has a really nice home field, obviously, right? Like they get pumped up, they get juiced, and they got embarrassed last year playing against Notre Dame. They have a great home crowd. Some payback, yeah, great, especially against good teams. Great home crowd. They really. I think the defense is going to be quite. I mean, quietly, they're always a good defense, but like I think that they're defensive back wise. I think they're actually going to be a little bit better in year two of Andrew McCuba as a main starter in year two of. Their corner that's names escape. Nate Wiggins is actually a yeah. good player. He was just Jordan on a Jones not great unit last year. Yeah. So I think that their defensive back that's, is going to be a little bit better. Yes. That's if Notre Dame's going to win this game, which they can. They can beat every team on their schedule. Oh, yeah. If Notre Dame's going to win this game, that's still the matchup that I like. Yes. The, I think that's the part of Clemson that's getting the most overhyped is the secondary. Yeah. Because they had good numbers last year because they didn't play very good teams. But this that was the thing we thought going into that game where Notre Dame could take advantage was throwing the football on them. Sam yes. Hartman torched that secondary torched last them. year. Yeah. Torched them. Yeah. He's gonna have a better run game, better defense. But no, but people in there, it's like in the chat, we're already seeing it. It's just oh, Clemson's this guys. Clemson had a disappointing eleven and three season last year. Yeah, one right? eleven games. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Uh, you know, this is a good football team. And to me, when you play them on the road in November, after you've already played nine hard fought battles, this is not a give me game. It's going to be a tough game. And the other part of it is, I think there's some people that are overhyping them a little bit too much because of the Garrett Riley thing. It's not so much that I think Garrett Riley is a great coordinator. I don't know that we know that yet, but he's, he's better a, than Brandon Streeter. But he's also right. a that system is a perfect fit for Cade Klubin. He doesn't have to be an elite offensive coordinator. Just right. go do your thing and let that kid work. And yeah. the key for their well, offense is going to be their young receivers have got to step up. That's going to be well, the key. It's always the middle ground with those types of conversations, right, right Brian? Either either Garrett Riley is the greatest offensive coordinator ever, or it's you know it's it's not going to be that great, right? He's I'm in the like, middle. I'm like, hey, it's better than it was last year without question. But I still need to see more from Garrett Riley because he let's not act like he wasn't with Sonny Dykes, who's also Correct. a very good offensive mind. Great right? offensive like we, mind. Yes. Right. So him yeah, by himself. Sonny Dykes' success on offense, Ryan, didn't start when Garrett Riley showed up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, but he that's was like a Jared Goff and. But that's Cal a benefit and, for Garrett yeah. Riley. He learned yep. under that. That's yep. the point. Yep. So, so uh, yeah. Yep. So I think that you, I think Clemson is going to be an improved offensive team. Like you said, wide receivers need to step up, but you still have Will Shipley coming back. It should be a good offensive line for Clemson standards. And the defense is always going to be good, guys. And at the end of the day, whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, Clemson's going to play with a chip on their shoulder in that football yep. game. The last time they played in Notre Dame, they lost 35 to 14 and got embarrassed on national television. That matters. So yep. I think Clemson's going to be ready to play in that one. Here's what's working in Notre Dame's favor. They have played three times in the regular season the last 10 years. Notre Dame is two and one in those games. And the only loss was at Clemson by two points where they had a chance to tie the game at the end. That And Notre Dame didn't even play that well in that game against a Clemson team that went on to play for a championship. I don't think this is a vintage Clemson football team. It's not. But it's a it's a it's going to be a very very tough game. And here's the other part of it too. 
we can say whatever we want as Notre Dame fans about how we beat them last year and this, that, and the other. But what Notre Dame has not proven under Brian Kelly or Marcus Freeman is they can go on the road and win these games. Coach Freeman showed last year that he can win this kind of game at home. No question. We saw that. It's part of the reason I'm, I have USC ranked below Clemson. What we don't know yet, Ryan, is if they can go on the road and win this kind of game because, yep. with all due respect, North Carolina ain't Clemson, with all due respect. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a different animal. And last year, Notre Dame played two legit top 10 teams on the road, and they both lost both of them by 11. Now, were they competitive in those games? Yes, they were. Neither team whooped Notre Dame, but Notre Dame was, even especially USC, USC was clearly the better team that entire game. Notre Dame was the, I thought, was went toe-to-toe with Ohio State until the fourth quarter. Right. Right? Where With USC, was always like, you're playing catch-up. Like, okay, this is going to be a, a, rough, a rough day. And you'd make a play here, make a play there to kind of get yourself back in it. But as we've said before, USC was the better team that day. Yes, they were. They just were. So that's uh, where Clemson is there. Number one, Ryan, number one team. It's Ohio State. And and I think you could make an argument. I'm going to say this. Ohio State has enough big question marks for me that you could make a case for me that Ohio State, just without context, it might not be the toughest game on their schedule. You can make a case for Clemson and USC both being ahead of Ohio State. Just looking at the roster, looking at the matchups, looking at where the game is played, and then especially looking at the quarterback position, in my opinion. Right. right? The offensive line position. I think Ohio State of the three teams has the third best offensive line of the big three. Their quarterback situation is third best of the big three. You get them at home. But here's why Ohio State is number one for me. And it's real simple. This is a team that Notre Dame has not shown me that they can beat yet. Simple as that. And they have a defensive line. Of the three we talked about, they have the best talent on the defensive line. And they're the defensive line that whooped Notre Dame's butt last year. Right? You want to know I have Ohio State ahead of Clemson? Because I watched that Clemson off defensive line with two first-round draft picks get worked by Notre Dame. And I watched that same offensive line get their butts whooped by Ohio State. Now, you could say, look, Game one versus game 10, very fair. Or game nine, very fair. Very fair. But it's still the reality. uh, Ryan, you know me. I don't just dismiss September games because they're early. I don't. Now, should Notre Dame's offensive line play better? Yeah, they should. Should Notre Dame do this, do that better against Ohio State? Yes, absolutely. But they have to show it. Notre Dame showed me they can beat USC at home. Even good USC teams. This USC team should be pretty good this year, Ryan. Are they yes. really that much better than 2017 USC? I don't think so. Probably maybe better, but Notre Dame beat that USC team by 35. They've shown they can beat Clemson. They have not shown that they can beat Ohio State. It really is that simple for me. And that's why Ohio State is number one, because it's it, sometimes right. it's a mental thing. You know, like, look, we have faith we can beat this team. Do you have faith you can beat that team? I don't know. I hope we see a really, really, really hungry football team for Notre Dame. If Notre Dame's hungry and executes, I think they can can and should beat Ohio State. But until they show me that they can beat an Ohio State, because what's the four big programs the last decade? Well, who's the big four right now? It's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Of those four teams, Notre Dame has shown they can beat one of them. The other three, they're over against. And they've had chances at a chance against Ohio State in 2015. They had a chance against Ohio State last year. They had two shots against Georgia in the last in the, their time frame. They've had two sure. shots against Alabama, and they haven't won any of them. 
And your claim to fame is, but we only lost by 11 to Ohio State. Right. Okay. Then show me you can beat them, and then we can talk about how you should be ahead of them. But that's why the Buckeyes are number one for me, Ryan. It really is that simple. I mean, because – yeah. I mean, because we could talk about the defensive line for Ohio State, right? You could talk about all the guys they returned, JT Toyamolau and Jack Sawyer and Michael Hall and Tyleek Williams and – you know, they, they obviously have a lot of good guys coming back. Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers. The defense should be better in year two, I believe, under their defense coordinator. I think that they're going to be much better. And I think their offense, like, again, whether Ryan Day's calling it or not, they've shown that they have a they have a, a track record of developing pretty good offense, right? So I think Ohio State's going to be a good football team. At the end of the day, Brian, I really do think it comes down to that simple. Notre Dame has not beaten Ohio State in my lifetime. That's a fact, right? And whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, in the back of some of the Notre Dame's players' minds, they're thinking, can we beat Ohio State? Can we Can we actually beat them? Like, yes, you believe every Saturday you can go on the field and beat anybody. Sure. But until you actually do it, there's no proof that you could do it. It's so, like there's no proof. Clemson, Notre Dame has proven, to your point, that they could do it. They've proven mm-hmm. that they could beat USC. What proof do they have that they can beat Ohio State this season? They have no right. proof of it, which again, that can fuel them, or that can become, or that can leave a little bit of a defeatist right. attitude in the back of your mind when things are going wrong, and maybe it comes down to a right. one-score game at the end of the game. Like, can I really right. do this right now? Can we do it? Right. Like, I'm not sure. There's a lot of right. uncertainty. I think about Ohio State, which is so they got to prove just, it. They got to yeah. prove it now. You know, people on here talking in response. Oh, but Notre Dame's better than Clemson. They're better than – don't disagree. I, I think Notre Dame's roster top to bottom is better than Clemson's roster top to bottom. But we didn't say that Notre Dame's not better than Clemson. We said Clemson is the second toughest schedule on te- – second toughest team on the schedule. And with all due respect, as much as I love what Notre Dame did to Clemson last year, that was one Saturday. We pointed this out before, right? In 2017, Georgia beat Cle- beat Georgia – or excuse me, Auburn beat Georgia 40-17. to crushed them three weeks later they played in the acc title game and georgia beat them 28 to 7 what you did in one game does not mean that that's just the new norm that notre dame is going to blow out clemson every time they play can notre dame win that game of course notre dame can beat every team on their schedule next year they can but there's still some teams they gotta they've got to prove they can go on the road and beat a team like clemson they haven't done that they haven't done that last time they beat a team like that on the road in my opinion was all the way back in 2013 when they beat oklahoma Last time they did, or 2012, excuse me, when they beat Oklahoma. It's over a decade ago now, right? And and uh, obviously beating Ohio State, something I haven't seen in my lifetime. They haven't played a lot of games. I think Notre Dame and Ohio State have played, what, five times in my lifetime, twice in the 90s, the 05 uh, Fiesta Bowl, the 2015 Fiesta Bowl, and then and last year. year. Yep. So it's only five times, but it's still 0 for 5. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and so yeah. until they prove that they can beat a team like that, to me – you have to be able to take that into context. Now, at the same time, I have my I, in my season prediction. I will I will predict Notre Dame beat Ohio State because it's what they should do. But make no mistake, it's not going to be easy. Because the other thing we do sometimes when we talk down opponents is you then take away the importance of what a, a win would mean. If Notre right. Dame goes on the road and beats Clemson, that's a huge win. But if you just spend your whole time convincing yourself that Clemson's not that good, guess what? then you're not going to realize how important that win is. And that's the other part of this whole conversation as well for me, Ryan. 
So what's your biggest trap game, Ryan? I, I, I think we have the same one. What are your two biggest trap games for me? And that's how we're going to kind of conclude. Uh, because we we just kind of said, one of the things I was going to talk about, Ryan, is what is the biggest, what is the most needle-moving game for Notre Dame this year? And I think we just said it. It's Ohio State, right? Yes. I mean, that's for a host of reasons. Yep. What are the two it, biggest it, trap games for you? The games yeah. that maybe concern you the most of teams that Notre Dame is better than but you're most concerned about them potentially losing those particular yeah. games. I mean, Duke's number one and has been for a little while. We've talked about this a ton, but Duke the week right after Ohio state, like I just don't love that, you know, like <laughs> to your boy, Brian, it's like two things could ha- happen. Either you can get, you can have a hangover from having a huge victory against Ohio state, right? You can have a huge victory against Ohio state and you come out a little bit flat or you can get a little bit ahead of yourself and really start to kind of look forward to like, hey man, we got we beat one of the big three. Now we need to take down one to two more of them and we're in the playoffs, right? Like that's kind of where we are as far as Duke and, and the recipe that I think Duke brings to the table, I think is a troubling one for Notre Dame. You know, you talk about the offensive line for Duke being one of the better ones on the schedule. Talk about the defensive line being a really good defensive line. Wide receivers coming back, but Riley Leonard, a quarterback, worries me, man. It does. I mean, that one really, really worries me. I think that that one is a little bit of a track game, trap game. And the other one is Pitt, which is why I had Pitt at number five. And I know we disagree on that one a little bit, but the fact that it's sandwiched in between two of your biggest games of the season. And I know that there is a bye week in between Southern Cal and Pittsburgh, but we know that the long-term effects of whether you beat Southern Cal or you lose a Southern Cal – that can still have a couple weeks of kind of like a, a realization of who you are as a football team. And then you play Pitt, and then you're going to go on the road the very next week to play Clemson. So I think Pitt is going to be a sneaky game in between two very important ones, although after a bye week. But I think that it starts with Duke for me, Brian. That's the game that I look at and I say, week after Ohio State, Duke is a team that can kind of sneak up on you a little bit. They have the dual threat aspect, the quarterback. They have, they're good on both all of the lines on offense and defense. Duke worries me a little bit. What's your in, in your number two? You said is Pitt, right? Pitt's my other one. Yeah, my yeah. two, my two are back to back. It's Duke and Louisville. Because let's just say hypothetically, you get past Ohio State and Duke, and you got USC coming down in two weeks. I, I think this Louisville team's going to have a couple losses at that point in time, Ryan. Because again, they are a, a team that's at least a couple losses. They play Georgia Tech in in, in Atlanta. It's not a gimme. They play at NC State. That I think the game they're going to lose. They play Indiana in Lucas Oil. I mean, they should win, but who knows? You know, they play Boston College at home. There's a chance they could have a couple losses. They're at least going to be coming off, in my opinion, a week a loss the week before at NC State. I think they're at least going to be coming off of a loss. Then you just had two huge wins over Ohio State and, and Duke in this context, and then you got USC coming up. I could see this being a trap game for me. Pitt, I I agree. But because I have Louisville higher, it's and it's it's not sandwiched like Pitt is technically sandwiched between those two teams. But you do have a bye week. You have the bye week, yeah, yeah. After USC, whereas Louisville's like right in between a road game at Duke and a home game against USC, and so that's why, you know, that's why I kind of have Louisville as my other one. Some people have said NC State. I don't view NC State as a trap game. What what like in the way I define trap game? Now, can NC State beat you? Yeah, but a team that can beat you is not a trap game. A trap game is more of a the circumstance causes you to 
maybe overlook or not be as prepared Steve for that moment. you a little bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. NC State's not going to yeah. speak up to you. Notre Dame's going to be looking forward to that game for the first three weeks of the season because you're playing Navy and Tennessee State the first two. You should win those games convincingly. NC State's the first real test if you're Notre Dame. I agree. Those are my two those are my two trap games, Ryan. It's going to be fun to watch them wait, you know, go through the schedule. There's no doubt. So I'm looking forward to it. Here's the thing we, we will say is if Notre Dame is a playoff team this year, we know they have they will have earned it. There's yes. no doubt. This is going to be a challenging schedule. I think a lot of fans are sleeping over how challenging it's going to be because some of the tough games are not perennial big names. I, I still don't think there's a lot of Notre Dame fans understand just the talent the Duke is going to have coming back. The other thing is that, that is funny is when you talk about how good a team is, people have this reaction like, well, Notre Dame – like we've said this before. Somebody in the chat literally said this. Stop talking about how good Marshall is. Notre Dame had no excuse losing to Marshall. We've literally said that a, a thousand yeah. times. Who, who said they shouldn't you, have? Like- <laughs> you can say – no. I've, I literally say this every time that Notre Dame has – you know, we talk about Marshall, and yet it's like people just tune out the second half. Marshall was a good football team last year. They won nine games. That's a good football team. Notre Dame had no business losing that game. Literally what we say every single time. And, and so I think that sometimes when you when you don't give an opponent enough credit, you don't appreciate the quality of the win. That's that's the reality of it. Yeah. So, um, but here, here's another thing. Somebody's so like somebody's pushing back on our our Clemson height. He says he he. I don't understand why like grownups put like LOL and stuff like that in the middle of a debate or discussion. It's like, it's, I just, I just can't stand that. But he said, I said, you said, you said Clemson is going to be good, but I just don't see Kate Klubnik out playing Sam Hartman who lit up Clemson for 50 points last year. Those two things have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. Right. Nothing. I mean, I mean, Notre Dame beat Clemson last year, but Clemson still won 11 games. So they were still a good football team regardless. You can (laughs) say Clemson, us saying Clemson's really good has nothing to do with whether or not you think Notre Dame is going to beat Clemson. Completely exactly. irrelevant. Completely yeah. irrelevant. I mean, do you so, think that every every team on Notre Dame's schedule is a bad team if Notre Dame beats them? I mean, yes, that's we expect Notre Dame to beat every team on their schedule, which means they all suck. That, that makes no exactly. sense to me. That makes no sense, yeah. You so, want them to be good teams, and yes. that's what Clemson is, a very good team, yeah. This exactly. is going to be a challenging schedule. I'm looking for and, – and the thing I like about it, Ryan, is – if Marcus Freeman's a double digit winner this year in the regular season, I would like to see 11 or 12 wins, obviously. But if you're a 10 plus win team this year, as long as there's no bad blowouts, this is a well-earned schedule. Very well-earned schedule. Uh the way that it's the way that it's laid out, I think is good for Notre Dame in a lot of ways. You know, you kind of get your feet wet early. You've kind of got that week 3 for Notre Dame, that week 3 challenge of NC State, but then you get to come back home against a MAC team a week later in preparation for Ohio State. You know, you 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 look at those other two teams in between Ohio State and USC, you start saying, boy, this is a tough schedule. But I do think for the most part, it sets up pretty nicely for Notre Dame. We don't have any yeah. back-to-back brutal stretches, right? Like there's no sure. Ohio State Duke back-to-back or USC Clemson back-to-back or anything like that. You get two games, you get, let me say, you get two weeks before each of those opponents. You get two weeks in between Ohio State and USC, and you get two weeks, one of which is a bye between USC and Clemson. And so I think it sets up really nicely for what Notre Dame is trying to do. 
I do. I agree. And unfortunately, I saw the chat where the Clemson guys going off, and it's just like they could still be a very good team without being as good as they were in 2018. My that's man. the like, thing that's, that's just kind of ridiculous about it. It's like yeah. we've literally said – I literally said in this show, this is not a vintage Clemson team. It's like there's this disconnect happening in his head right now. There's also layers to it, right? It's like, like if you're not Clemson as good as 2018 Clemson, you suck. Yeah. Like we're not yeah. 10-year-olds, right? We're, we're, we're able to say this is a really good football team. That's not as good as they were in recent years. Because here's the thing, guys. If they were as good as they were in 2018, you know where they'd be ranked on our schedule? One. Yeah. Number like one. They were going into the 2019 season. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like, <laughs> I don't mind debating and arguing, but if you're going to debate with me, at least debate something I've actually said. And then don't have a comeback that says exactly what we have said. That's not a great argument. When you say, yeah, but, and your but is something we've already stated, it's not a great argument. Right? Yeah. But it's a it's a good schedule. It's a talented schedule, and it's a schedule Notre Dame is going to have to. They're going to have to bring it a lot this year. I mean, there's going there's going to be sleepwalking through segments of the schedule. That's for sure. It's a very tough schedule. I will say this though: for the first time in a few years, I feel like Notre Dame can win every game, and that, yeah. that's it's been a little bit like without having to play out of their minds. Would, would exactly like, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so, I agree. I mean. Cause there's been some years where I'm like, I could talk myself into them beating this really good team, but like a lot has to go in Notre Dame's right. direction, right? Like a lot's going the other way. I think Notre Dame has a chance legitimately to win every football game on the schedule. So I Won't think that's going to be a very interesting yes, one. You yeah. are correct. You are correct. And we're going to have some interesting conversations about how Notre Dame and Ohio state stack up here uh, as we get ready for that game as well. It's going to be a fun conversation. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show, Ryan, we're going to get to a mailbag next. It's not going to be a super long mailbag, but we're going to get to a mailbag next. Uh, But before we do folks hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, a programming note. I forgot to do this at the beginning of the show. The next two show next two days, our show is going to start at noon at 12 o'clock noon right? Eastern because Notre Dame informed us today that they've moved their practice schedule. They were doing nine 30 in the morning. Uh, they moved it to two 50 in the afternoon, which means we're going to start at noon and have to be done by two 30. So I can wrap the show up and get uh, over there. There's a chance Ryan may kind of continue, just finish up the mailbag after I have to bounce. We'll just kind of have to see how the shows are going, but the next two days. And then obviously Wednesday, there will be no mailbag because that is the midweek rundown. And then uh, by Friday, we will we will kind of announce what our schedule, our in-season schedule is going to be like for next week because we obviously kick off kick off the season content, man. It's 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 crazy. Uh, and also a reminder, uh, Thursday we'll be back to 1 p.m. We'll be back on track on Wednesday, on Thursday because there's no schedule, and Ryan will be having a recruiting uh, mail um, hour that day as well. Yeah. And then he and I are back on Friday for the Notre Dame football mailbag. So it's going to be a, a lot, a lot of fun. We may do a live show tonight at nine o'clock on CFB nation. I'm not sure yet. So make sure that you are subscribed to that as well. Uh, Bill, Bill Bender and I are going to do a show tonight. I'm just not sure if we're going to go live or not. It depends on you know where Bill is and what his schedule is looking like and those type of things. So I'll let y'all know a little bit about that uh, later, but that's why you need to be subscribed to CFB nation on YouTube and the podcast platform as well. So, Ryan, we're going to move on to the mailbag next. But, again, folks, hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And if you've not done so already, sign up for the message boards at boards.rsbreakdown.com.